This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories and watch it. My God. <laughs> You're so vicious, so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hoe. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you doing today after this ridiculous weekend? Oh, I'm very much hungover, and uh, it's <laughs> probably because of all weekend of being uh, intoxicated around you and your family. Uh, it was a it was a monumentous sweet sixteen, and that that definitely deserves some context. It's uh, and uh, and uh, we also had your cousin's very beautiful wedding. Uh, it was a it was yeah. a, a successful weekend. A very part of a lot lots of party was had. Lots of love was shared. Uh, I had a really nice time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to sleep it off. Yeah, and you didn't even go to the family dinner on Friday, so I had a three a triple header this weekend starting Friday night on top of the fact that I just completely shredded my back last Wednesday and uh, I was trying to lift a 200 pound desk by myself like I was 20 and uh, it didn't go well I I laid on the floor at work for about I don't know a good half an hour before <laughs> I was able to get up and go uh, home and then I had to do all that this weekend with just miserable back I was walking around like an 80 year old man uh, Wednesday Thursday Part of Friday, it loosened up a little bit on Friday, so I felt hopeful for the weekend, but uh, it's lingering because, again, not 20 anymore. So, <laughs> buddy, it's 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 wonderful how we grow up thinking we're Will Smith, but we end up being Uncle Phil. Yeah, <laughs> that is a great analogy. <laughs> I mean, you could have hit me back with dead. Oh. <laughs> Not yet, sir. Not yet. Although I'm wasting away to nothing, so there's a very good chance uh, something's wrong. I feel like at this point, I just keep losing weight without any effort whatsoever, other than just portion control and water. And so I still go feel figure. Like... I was told. I was told by many people that that works, and I was like, nay, nay. I, I drink like I drink like a gallon and a half of water a day now, and I just don't eat that much because I'm full. I'm fulfilled all the time. Like. Eat like the, the the like the thing I would I would order from whatever restaurant before I eat like half of that maybe and I'll finish it later and be fine like it's insane I don't know but I also might have cancer so <laughs> I should go to the doctors don't what do I'm that at. yeah yeah uh, <laughs> now we go to our special ad <laughs> <It's> all... <laughs> yes <laughs> we're gonna take a break from our yes. for our sponsor well, Susan G Komen <laughs> cancer foundation. <laughs> Oh, buddy. And, you know, oh. with my very awful Connor joke last week, I'm pretty sure you getting cancer would probably be, you know. Payback on you. I know. <laughs> that's, that's, I don't know how I feel about that. I I, I don't know. I would gladly. That's it. I would, I'm not making any more cancer jokes. 
Well, speaking of rather trade lives for something, let's talk WCW moments. No, I'm just kidding. I was actually, <laughs> I was actually uh, putting this list together, and I came up with way too many. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it is nice. Uh, and I know we have a big track record of like uh, you saying you weren't really actively watching WCW at the time, even before the wars and after and during the yeah, wars yeah. and after the wars. But like digging up my memory banks, I came up with a lot of good nostalgia shit. But I had to dwindle it down to ten. Because uh, you know that's what we have to do on yeah. on this episode. The top. 10s. I mean, I so a lot of mine go back a little ways because I did watch a lot of WCW from like ninety two through ninety four, ninety five ish, and then like by the time the Monday Night Wars kicked off, I was like, I'm a WWF guy. I'm Brett's guy. Like he's my guy. WCW sucks. I don't even like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> but I still checked in for a lot of stuff because like they did a lot of, they did a lot of eye catching, uh, you know, headline grabbing stuff, especially oh, yeah. in the attitude era. So there's a lot of stuff and then there's stuff just they, like casually I checked in on that was really good. That had me coming back for a few weeks and I've got a couple of those on my list. And then there's just some fun stuff on my list because it's WCW, and so there's got to be some crap. It's like... <laughs> I wanted to so bad. There's so much crap to talk about. We got to come up with like a top ten bad WCW moments, or just like, oh for sure, or just a bunch of what the fucks for WCW because I, that's why we're we're donning this month WCW month. Uh, it's gonna be a great month, and we're gonna kick it off with a bang by talking top ten WCW moments. Cole, we alluded to it right before we pressed record. I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. Why don't we say we get yeah. this top 10 underway? Because there's lots to talk about. Yeah, there's not not a whole lot of exciting things have happened in the last, I don't know, 10 days since we recorded in re the world of wrestling. So we don't have a lot to talk about. So it's cool. There kind of is. I just Saudi don't have show. the time or the patience. <laughs> Kenny Omega wrestled MJF. I heard it was really good. I want to watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So we'll talk. maybe we'll watch it and talk about it next week. Fuck yeah. it. Why not? LA Knight's so. great. Yeah, LA Knight's great. Uh, Saudi show coming up. Cool. Now you're all caught up, ladies and gentlemen. So, time for nostalgia, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go back to the world of WCW. And we're going to give you our top 10 WCW moments. Not matches, moments. See, I, I did the assignment right this time, Ronald. I don't have a bunch of matches in my top 10. I saved those for another day, foreshadowing, Well, where we might do a top 10 WCW matches. So... Uh, would you like to kick the list off this week, or do uh, you want me to take the honors? I would love to kick the list off this week. Let's give this one a go, because this, for me, you know, this is before the wars really happened, but when I was watching, I did not know what to do with myself, because, you know, I was I, I was in the know, but I wasn't in the know, but when it happened on my television, I was kind of like, like, ooh, and kind of heartbroken, because I didn't know what I was seeing, I didn't know what shots were being fired, but when who I knew and loved to be as Alondra Blaze, walked up to the commentator table on Monday Nitro and then proceeded to throw away the WWF Women's Championship live on television in a trash can for the whole world to see. Uh, it it, it kind of like, you know, I didn't know, what to, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was a child and I, and I <laughs> right. knew, I was like, this is something I shouldn't be seeing. And, uh, yeah, I just, when it, when I dug through my memory banks, I was like, this one has to be talked about. Uh, definitely. So, yeah, my number 10, Medusa trashes the WWF women's title. And it's right there for me. It's definitely on my, um, 
honorable mentions. It, it didn't make my final list because there was just uh, this list is very much personal to me, like things that caught my attention as a child and throughout. Because the cool thing about doing nostalgia with just WCW is like it literally died 20 years ago. So like we are only talking about nostalgia from our childhood, like. By the time we hit our 20s, WCW died. So, like, this is all from our childhood. So, um, that one didn't didn't do it for me. It didn't grab my attention and, and captivate my heart as much as some of the others. But it's a great moment. And so, I think this is going to be a, maybe one of the most diverse top 10 lists we've ever done. I think there might be two that we match on. But other than that, I think this is definitely my list that we're going into. So my top 10, my number 10, I saw this as a kid. I loved it. I knew it was silly, but I didn't give a shit. Abdullah the Butcher getting electrocuted in the electric chair in the cage of doom in one of the most ridiculous matches of all time where the the, the switch kept falling down. <laughs> and so they had to like pretend the cage was electrified Didn't and give stuff. A fuck. Yeah. It was awesome still. And it like and so this great. is just a victim of just when it came out. If I discovered this for the first time now, it'd be way different. For sure. Right. But like seeing this at a younger age, and I did watch this after it took place. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it yeah. young enough to be into it. <laughs> I was yes. just like I was like, this is great. This is so amazing. Yes. It, it would never happen again. And it, it didn't. Uh, but no, it did not. <laughs> it was it was it, it was certainly a thing to be talked about much later. And look, it stood the test of time. We're talking about it on a very historical, very famous podcast. Yes. <laughs> now switching gears, I went I went from something that was a little heartbreaking and a little weird to me, but this was absolutely heartbreaking. And also, and also, it's even more heartbreaking knowing where it leads because we love that heat, brother. But I'm gonna go with where it started because the uh, the my spot promo uh, when yeah. Arn Anderson had to retire and he came out and delivered that wonderful promo about not just giving up a spot in the Four Horsemen and giving it to Kurt Henning, but he's offering his spot, my spot. You're taking my spot, and that's way and that worth that's worth way more than just being in the Four Horsemen. You're taking my spot as the enforcer, and for the, all that. To lead up to Kurt Henning just betraying the Four Horsemen anyway is uh, was questionable, and it still is questionable to this day. But uh, yeah, the promo itself, one of Arn Anderson's best work, best work on the mic for sure, because it's real, and you know you can't beat realism, especially with Arn Anderson. So number nine, my spot. Uh, yes, and a great promo. It's one of the all. It's it's one of those moments you go like, God damn, we missed the boat on Arn. He was a top guy. This was his moment. He just never got that top guy spot, um, just because that's where. And and it's fun. I love listening to his podcast because he's so humble about his skill set. Like he'll be, he's the one who's like, oh no, I wasn't the guy. I never was. I was never going to be the guy. And, I, and I'm like, I don't know, Arn. Like it's one of those generational things. Like if you pluck Arn Anderson out of that generation and drop him in, even to the Attitude Era, or maybe like say 93, 94, 95, he's definitely a tippy top guy feuding with Brett. And even if you go to like the early 2000s on, Arn is the tippy top guy. Like there's no one better than Arn Anderson for the last like 20 years. But like he just was in the era with Hogan and Flair. So he's not the guy. <laughs> yeah, you know? Arn could have totally done that Bob Backlund run. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think he might be a little more uh, charismatic in, in an interesting promo than good old Bob. But like... <laughs> 
Although I will say the President Bob Backlund, evil Bob Backlund run was great. It was the greatest. You know, thing. but yeah, that yeah that could have been Arn Anderson in in that spot filling in. You know, Jerry Lawler, Arn Anderson, absolutely would have been great feuds and great matches with Brett and Arn. Like think about the psychology and the hard hitting and. Yeah, that'd be incredible. But again, honorable mention for me. It's not there. I think the NWO shitting all over it, like, kind of uh, mar- yeah. mars it for me. Yeah. Like, it mucks it up a little bit because it's like he did that really heartfelt, great promo. And then we got the NWO making fun of it. And then Kurt Henning did still turn on them. And I, admittedly, this is one of these pay per views I watched when it happened because of this promo. Like, this promo was so good. It was just one of those nights I happened to be checking it out. And I'm like, holy shit, I got to see this match. And and it, they got me for the pay-per-view. So, yeah, absolutely great work. Uh, but speaking of my pay-per-view history, the second pay-per-view I ever watched in my entire life after Survivor Series 1992 was Starcade 92. And so this moment is like one of the first big like ho- moment that got its hooks in me, that got me into the business. The great Muda winning Battle Bowl at the 1992 Starcade. It's I know it's probably not on anyone else's list, but it's definitely one of those that special place in my heart. Uh, it, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and I people shit on Battle Bowl, and I'm like, what are you talking about? It's such a cool concept. I fucking love it. I love the the you know the the cheesiness of drawing names out of a hat, even though you can tell like since like the first tag team made was Cactus and Vader on the same team, and they're feuding in a blood feud, and they start fighting on the way to the ring which was the easy way to get cactus invader out of there because they're fighting so much as ta- as partners they can't even you know because they would have destroyed any two people but since they're so entrenched in their blood feud uh it, it was a distraction so yeah i mean but i love battle bowl like it's one of those things still to this day i would do it at an indie show and have no problem feeling bad like i'd feel great about it yeah and i would feel great about it too it's such a good concept and you know it really goes to show how easy of an audience we were when we were kids but uh, yeah. i think this concept would work today it should happen you know on aew and i'm sure it would tony if you're listening yes, that's true absolutely uh something for aew but i i think uh i wouldn't say easy audience if you go back and watch the finals it's barry windham and muda and they put on a fucking clinic for the last it's yeah. one of the best things i've ever seen barry windham do and i'm because i'm not a big barry windham fan like all the matches i've seen of barry windham like have really weird finishes that make me hate him and yeah. so <laughs> and we've discussed this I know, too it's like yeah, like yeah. is this the this is the one guy that everyone is, yeah puts on a pedestal that i just don't see and i and maybe it's me i don't know but I'm glad that well, it, it could be a lot of it. Like when you hear the stories about him and Bobby Eaton working house shows and just decided they wrestled like three minutes in a row, just both of them on their knees, like one of their knees had to be touching the ground and they're like doing spots for like three minutes because these guys are so good at it that they could get around it. They just wanted to see how long they could be kneeling uh. or, or like <laughs> and still work a good match. <laughs> Oh, okay. I get it. You know, just don't don't work good matches on TV. That that works. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> that was when I'm only start, house shows. That's what I'm gonna start doing. I'm I'm just gonna start telling people I'm only good on house shows. That way they can never find go. out. Uh so number eight. Number eight is probably the only uh entry I have in here where the headline is the match. Uh right. but I'm just that's fu- but that's fair. Yeah, but it, it's only because that this was such a big moment for wrestling. It was one of those first, well, I wouldn't say the first, but it was a big monumental ball droppage from WWF at one point. Probably the stars didn't align or what, whatever, whatever, what have you. 
But WCW pulled this off in 1994, Bash at the Beach, and we got Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair in the ring. Uh, it was their biggest. It was their biggest drawing number that they've had at you know ever. And uh, it's uh you know, and it just goes to show you the rich history of these two guys because it, all the eyeballs were on WCW that day. It, it was a match that the wrestling world needed, but WCW was able to fulfill. And this ha this was supposed to happen on WrestleMania eight. And you know the matches, you know, it's everything you want from these two guys for sure. But the face-off, just, you know, if the This Is Awesome chant was invented back then, we would have yeah. gotten it. So, uh, thought I had to talk about it. Number eight for me is just Hogan versus Flair, finally. Yeah, it's number 11 on my list, mostly because I was just trying to keep matches off. I, to be honest, this match in and of itself probably wouldn't go on my top 10 matches if I'm, you know, like if we're being real Not about at it. all. But, but the <laughs> moment of the two top stars of the 80s finally facing off when it was the plan for WrestleMania 8, we all knew it was the plan. We all wanted the match. We all thought we were going to get it. And then we got Flair and Savage, which is a great match. And then we got Hogan and Sid, which was a popcorn <laughs> fart. And it was the main event. It was the last match. So I like yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, Flair and Hogan, it's a good match. Flair and Hogan, really good match. Uh, in in some of the like a lot of those first Hogan matches are really great stuff with Vader stuff with Flair. It's really good stuff. So I'm not opposed to it. I'm glad we're talking about it. But like, and I think it's going on the final list because I'm pretty sure Abdullah the Butcher isn't going to be on the final list. Uh, nor is uh, a couple of my other entries because I'm <laughs> the only one who cares about them. But rolling into my number eight now, I know you will like you love this. You will like this one. Chris Jericho is running a rampage, doing his Man of a Thousand and Four Holds promos, doing all this stuff. He beats Malenko and says, no, he's never getting a rematch. He's never going to wrestle with me again. I'm never going to get in the ring with Malenko. He said, I'm going to put out a challenge to some random local luchador guy. And this guy comes out here in a mask. And he's wrestling great. He looks really amazing. And he beats Chris Jericho out of nowhere. And he removes the mask. And it's Dean Malenko. So my number eight is Dean Malenko outsmarts Chris Jericho. And uh, I think it's a great moment. Like, this was when I really got into Chris Jericho. I watched a lot of this era just to, for Jericho. I literally was turning into WCW. I kept flipping back and forth to try to find the Jericho segment. And he was great. So I was really excited when he jumped ship to WWF. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Jericho versus Dino Machino, which which is the name they he called him all the time. Uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of the luchador name that he came out as. I think it was like Cyclops or something like that. Yeah, yeah Cyclope. Cyclope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, is that Cyclops in Spanish? Yes. Sweet. <laughs> yes. You're good. <laughs> I remembered it. Yes. See, I watched it. Uh but that is a great moment. Uh, didn't make my list. Uh, if I was going to pick a Chris Jericho moment, it would have been just definitely the <laughs> 1,004 holes. Yeah, promo. the promo. Yeah. That, that is definitely... Arm bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Oh, I, I wish uh, I wish he actually listed them all instead of doing the edit in post. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so where are we at? Number seven. Oh, you'll appreciate this number seven. I don't know if you saw it live, but I saw it live, and it broke my heart. But the breakup of the Steiners. This was a big pivotal moment, but just because this was like they're brothers, they're they've been a tag team forever, and then this breakup birthed the Big Papa Pump. So it, right. it was like once once this happened, 
this was the next chapter of the Steiner book, which just happened to be just Scott Steiner's singles career. Because, you know, shortly after that, Rick just kind of went away. And which is unfortunate, you know, there was no more Steiners unless they had reunions and stuff like that. But yeah, and they did a couple times at TNA and whatever else. Oh, TNA's back, by the way. That's one bit of news we we could have discussed. Do you have any opinion on that? No. <laughs> Nor does anyone else, because who gives a shit? It's Impact Wrestling going I, back to TNA. Yeah, the news didn't make an impact on me. Yeah, so, there you go. But what did make an impact on me was the Steiners breaking up and the birth of Big Papa Pump. So, like, you know, I'm just calling this the Steiners breakup because that is a moment of itself. And, you know, you can't pick just one moment out of Big Papa Pump. We can have a top 10 Big Papa Pump list. Of, <laughs> of Absolutely. Just, of just Just promos. moments, matches, and promos. Absolutely. We can have top 10 muscles. Who knows? But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, solid number seven for me, the Steiners breakup. All right, number seven. Uh, there were, you know, there weren't very many things to celebrate about Bret Hart's run in WCW. Uh, there's two, and I picked this one because it was such a cool moment. Um, I might, you know, in retrospect, maybe the other moment was nicer. You know, the Owen Hart tribute, but I didn't go with that one because that's a match, and it's with a guy that we don't talk about much. So I'm going with this moment: Goldberg spears Bret Hart. Only to be knocked out and Brett stands up and does the Marty McFly slash Clint Eastwood reveal that he had the steel plated chest plate uh, and he outsmarted Goldberg. Uh, it's literally the only great thing that Brett did while he was there as far as an angle goes to build up for a match. And then what came next is the, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the wrestling business. Um, and, uh, but to set up for the match with Goldberg, this was brilliantly done. It's one of those cool moments where, like, what just happened? Why is Goldberg? Do you like DDT him? What happened? Oh! And it's just one of those awe-inspiring moments. Everyone smiles and, like, applauds. Like, ah, yes, you did it, sir. Like, one of the, you know, eight times Brett changed babyface to heel because they were in Canada that time. <laughs> but uh, really cool moment, and it's definitely the best of Brett in WCW. And it just, yeah, and you're right about that. It's either this or Mad TV, but uh, <laughs> yes, but when, that is so good. Yeah, but when when he did this, like it just goes to show how good Brett is because he didn't just get right up and go ha ha. He sold it a bit. He did get speared, and he was wearing that thing, so he had to sit there and absorb the spear a bit before the big right. reveal. So he didn't shit all over it either. That's just why. That's just why Brett's a master psychologist, and one of those moments that I remember because I was such a Goldberg guy. And, you know, I even was a Goldberg guy over this just because, you know, the uh, over Bret Hart at the time, just because, you know, uh, Bret Hart as a heel just made me upset. (laughs) Right. uh, But uh, what did not make the world upset or me upset when I reviewed this match after uh, being recommended to me by various podcasts, uh, this is a huge moment. And it's probably the earliest WCW memory uh, that I'm going to document. I didn't watch it live. But uh, it's probably the oldest, um, yeah, probably the oldest WCW moment that I have on my list. But Ron Simmons defeating Vader to become uh, documented, I don't know how true this is, but the first black heavyweight champion in WCW or ever, or there, there's, a, there's a fact there somewhere, but uh, I don't care. Because- yeah, he's the first, you know, nationally recognized african-american world heavyweight champion absolutely and you know that fact being what it is which is very awesome 
the match itself is great, and I love the finish just because it's a damn power slam. And it looks like a power slam that could eat a human being, and it could right. defeat a guy like Vader. And just Jim Ross on the call just sounding so amped for this. Uh, go out of your way to watch this classic match. Absolutely. Ron Simmons versus Vader. Uh, big emotional celebration. Spoiler alert, he wins. That's the whole topic of my yeah, entry. Yeah. That's, yes. <laughs> but number but six, I, Ron Simmons. It's not just the power slam, though. It's the whole way he fires up for the big comeback after Vader's just been destroying him. Yeah. It's not a it's not an, an incredibly long match, ladies and gentlemen. Ron Simmons Vader, no surprise there. They weren't going 45. But uh yeah, his comeback and the way he fires up and he and he you could feel him drawing off the crowd, at least the, you know, in his selling and everything. And then when he hits the big power slam, and you're right, Jim Ross absolutely losing his mind. Um, but also it's just it's a huge moment in the world of of sports and entertainment anytime that something that's never happened before happens. And I mean, you know, it's well documented in the wrestling business that there was a lot of racism and and in, 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 you know, all the way up until the 90s, for sure. And even still, there's rumors and hints and, and innuendo about some racism and whatnot. And so when somebody finally breaks that glass ceiling and breaks through and becomes the first to do something that, you know, no one thought was possible, it, it's just a huge moment outside of the world of professional wrestling, like just in general as a human moment to be able to say I was the first, you know, African-American to win a wrestling world heavyweight championship, you know, and, and he wasn't the first to main event and sell out stadiums. You know, JYD did that. And Ernie Ladd was a, a great top heel for years and years. And, you know, guys like Thunderbolt Patterson and, but to be that guy, that's it's, it's a huge, it's just, it's something no one can ever take away from you. And it's always going to be there. And this is a guy that, you know, was a world-class football player on top of that. So, like, he had that whole pedigree going for him. I mean, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. It's not like – I mean, this is a guy that the, the people knew who he was and knew about him, and so this reached beyond the bubble of professional wrestling. So, absolutely. Well, that I think sounds that, like That's a, one for the final list. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a damn fine entry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number six – um. Uh, yeah, my number six is, is, is not that, that, well, it might be that ground shaking. (laughs) My number six moment. This is just, I don't care what it is. This is, uh, this is wrestle crap. This is botchamania. It's all that good stuff. But this is one of the most indelible moments in the history of professional wrestling. It's one of the most memorable. And I feel bad for Tugboat. I feel bad for Uh. Ray Trailer there. But but Shockmaster making his shocking debut, promptly burying himself by tripping on the little beam and falling flat on his face. And uh, it's sad. For him, it definitely derailed the entire story, the entire angle. He went from being a top heel to just being a just a laugh laughing stock in two seconds. And uh, but it's one of the most unforgettable things you've ever seen in your life. Kind of like uh, um, Titus running down to the the greatest Royal Rumble and. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, sliding under the ring. Yeah, yes. yeah. You'll never live that down. You'll never live. <laughs> And his poor mask rolls off, and he had to pick it yeah. up and put well, it poor, back poor on. Uncle Fred. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to go from tugboat to that, 
Uh, yes, it's uh, it's unfortunate, and you know they made an action figure out of his failure, and you know he does he does well. He he you know he, he yes. leans into yes. it. Uh, you know it's just you know a character like that. You it, you didn't think it was gonna break through, but it did, and that's what you know that's what led to his yes. demise. <laughs> yes. So my number six, the Shockmaster. I was wondering Probably why you spent not on the final list. Yeah, I, mean, I was wondering why you spent so much, uh, you know, time on Ron Simmons. Uh, I, was, I think you were <laughs> you were setting up the apology for what you were bringing next. <laughs> <laughs> well, my next entry will not need an apology because I think, and probably the world thinks that the the greatest story ever told, not only in WCW but probably wrestling is the NWO story uh like it's it's conception and it's follow through and you know before it really started going off the races the whole emergence of this group start to finish as far as the third man and like the invasion is probably well doc- well documented as one of the biggest angles in wrestling biggest stories in wrestling and every story has a beginning and my number 5 is the beginning of that story and it's when Scott Hall interrupted a show on national, interrupted a show on national TV, interrupted a match like as it was going, and like no run in, just walked in, just and they left awkwardly left. They made it look as real as possible. Um, they didn't really acknowledge him by name. He just walked in there and said, "You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here," and just put everyone on notice, and then walked out. And the the commentators treated it like it was a real thing. It made me think it was a real thing. It's just one of those examples where, like, if 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 reality and you know the show are the, if those lines are blurred j- in just the right way, it can make some magic, and it did for me as a ten year old for sure. Absolutely, and uh, I, I'm gonna give my thoughts on that in a little bit. Finally. Yes, finally. So, my number five moment, and I got to take you back to this time period. Uh, I grew up for about the time I was eight years old being a huge basketball fan. And uh, I loved Magic Johnson. Uh, I did not like Michael Jordan because uh, when I first got, my f- fandom first started uh, was was 92. And Jordan beat Magic in the finals, and then Magic had to retire after his announcement. Uh, but, but there was one man who could make me enjoy watching the Bulls play. And that was one Dennis Rodman, who was absolutely my favorite basketball player in the world in the nineties. Uh, the, the worm, the guy with the crazy hair and the, the eccentric behavior and all that. But the guy that did all the dirty work, got all the rebounds, played the defense, didn't, wasn't you know, a superstar scorer, but he did all the little things that made a team successful. And so when my guy, Dennis Rodman, who I idolized, joined my favorite thing in the whole wide world, professional wrestling, oh my God! Oh, I was, uh, it was like a kid, a fat kid at the candy store, everything. Dennis Rodman joining the NWO is my number five moment. Uh, and, and, and honestly for me, like he could have taken four spots on this list with the other matches he had and I would have been fine with it, but I'm just going to limit it to one. Dennis Rodman joins WCW and the NWO. That is a good one. And certainly like if, if you know, you're famous in the sports world, if I know who you are and, uh, (laughs) and Jordan and Rodman were always on television. So when, so when he came on to WCW, even I was like, holy crap. Like he's gonna wrestle, 
And I, yes. and I had to tune in. I was like, the basketball player is going to wrestle. And then, you know, they, they tried to, you know, mirror that success by having Jay Leno wrestle uh, eventually. Yes. That, yes. Was, that was a thing that happened. Um, Another Dennis Rodman match. So. Oh, yes. It, it, absolutely. It was, a, it was a banger. Was it a Dennis Rodman match? Uh, yeah, that was Hogan and Rodman versus Jay Leno and DDP. No, it was Hogan and Bish. Oh, was it, yeah. Bishop? Okay, I believe that. I could, I could buy that. God, I well, thought there were two Jay Rodman Leno and, and Dennis Rodman in the, in the ring together. True. That'd be hilarious. That is true. That is, that is fair. That is fair. But you talk about headlines. <laughs> Yeah, like yes. I could buy Jay Leno, Jay Leno putting Dennis Rodman in a full Nelson way more than Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he put Hulk Hogan in a full Nelson for two minutes straight. Oh, but this moment put me in a full Nelson as a child. Uh, when uh, the very first Monday Nitro uh, aired, and it's a great show. I mean, you got you got Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman. You got hey. you, you got. Uh, you got Macho Man and Hogan. You got the you got Meat Sauce Mania, brother. But the very end of this episode, when you see Lex Luger come out unannounced in the aisleway, and you got the commentators asking what what is he doing here? And mind you, I just saw him on WWF TV, so it was like it was mind blowing for me at the time because I was a Luger guy. Because when I jumped into wrestling. Luger was the all-American guy. I didn't really know who Hogan was until I watched WCW. That's just, you know, a product of my age. But seeing Luger on that television, uh, walking down Monday Nitro, is one of those moments in time that's etched in my brain forever and uh, had to talk about it. That's why it's way high up on my list. I spaced out. What the fuck did you just say? (laughs) (laughs) All right. No idea what you just said for the last thirty seconds. Because <laughs> you weren't listening, or did the audio cut I just, out? Like, no, the audio was fine. I just like spaced out. Like, uh, I got home and I took some edibles, bro. I fucking just the last ninety seconds of my of my life just disappeared. What did, What did you say? Well, you did your best impression of Lex Luger. <laughs> you fans. started on Nitro, yeah. You started on Nitro, and you said Brian Pillman and Liger, and then my brain went blah la 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> Lex Luger debuting on Nitro is my number four. Oh, oh my God. Huh. I knew that was where you were going too when you set it up with Pillman and everything. And then I just like, I looked down on my thing and then my brain just like shut off for a second. So yeah, Lex Luger debut. Great one. Uh, it's <laughs> no editing. I was. This is I, that's fine. This is I, you can leave it in. Yep, you can leave it in. It's okay. It. That's what happened right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, this was a big deal to me because I was riding the Lex Express. I was like a hundred percent behind Lex Luger. I was at a house show in Anaheim, chanting USA, getting ready for SummerSlam when that evil Mister Fuji screwed Bret Hart out of the title and all that good stuff. So when Lex jumped to WCW, it felt like I felt it. Like this is one that hurt. I was like, oh, and so like I really didn't like Lex Luger for a while. Like, I was so mad. <laughs> it was one of my first childhood things. Were like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> Yeah, like, I was fantasy booking immediately. I was like, I want him to fight Hogan immediately. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That would have been great. And they did. I uh, I think they did, like, almost immediately. It was cute. 
Oh, boy. So, yeah, we're on my number four now. Yes, we're on. Okay, and I'm going to listen very intently. (laughs) Okay. Like a good co-host does. (laughs) I just purposely put you on mute. (laughs) Well, it's okay because you already talked about it, so we know how you feel about it. But my number four, Scott Hall debut. This is brilliantly done. This whole segment was great because he was in street clothes, which I think added a nice touch. But also just like they talked about, I mean, the the stories are out there that he was going to, the idea was for him to come down the aisle just like anyone else. And, and they were like, nah, bro, if you do that, you're here. We need, you need to come through the audience. So, and, and he gives Larry Zabisco credit for that. Larry Zabisco takes credit for that. And uh, I think Bischoff may have even uh, said that, yeah, Larry Zabisco, I know Kevin Nash was kind of poo-pooing it a, a few weeks back, but um, yeah, the Scott Hall promo is great. Uh, and, and just putting everyone on notice there. And, and it was like literally in the middle of a match. He just comes down through the audience. I mean, it's so perfectly done. It's one of those great moments that blurred the lines where you, you had no idea what was going on. And uh, it might be the last time an invasion angle actually worked, even though it wasn't an invasion angle. So like, I you got to tip your cap to Eric Bischoff for having the vision to make this thing happen. If nothing else, we could all say that Eric Bischoff only had one idea ever and it fucking set the company on fire for three years. So who gives a shit? Yeah. Good like, for you, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I only defend, I defend Bischoff because even if he yeah. is ridiculed for having, you know, one idea, it was one of, if there was a top three ideas in wrestling, <sighs> it's probably number three. You know, Amen. as yeah, far as right like, there. as far as like pivotal changes to the industry for the better, I, I think for the better, uh, especially oh, for my childhood. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the, the creating the NWO, absolutely. It, it wasn't until the later ideas when he was like giving away Goldberg versus Hogan on free TV, you know, the, literally the two biggest guys in your company, you're just going to j- just, uh, rush it and put it on TV and not even have a buildup. Like, yeah, other than that, yeah, that's what started killing the business. But the NWO set the business on fire. On fire. And this is... All ups to Bischoff. And this is a big uh, reason. uh, Well, what's the word I'm looking for? This is one of the many stops and probably the biggest and best stop on the NWO storyline. And uh, the match is not the greatest. Uh, It's... uh, Filled to the brim with controversy, but if you could just start it at the three count and the celebration and the and the audience and the commentators joy, uh, Sting beating Hollywood Hulk Hogan at Starcade '97 uh, in a bubble is a great moment. It's one of the coolest looking celebrations ever. That's the it's you know the view of the mighty NWO falling and and. Uh, Sting holding the big gold belt with the pa- with the paint on it, and then coming out with it the next night without the paint on it. Yeah, it was a big, awesome moment. It was one of those happy endings in wrestling that I look back on fondly because I was eleven. Now, conspiracy th- conspiracy theory, Ron, and like you know, adult wrestling fan Ron goes back and kind of cringes at it, especially with all the stories and podcast world coming out. But yeah. for me, if you just put me back in '97 and watch that. Uh, Easily a top three moment for me. Yes, childhood Ron and Cole do not give a shit about the not fast ref count and the not all the other bullshit and how this was very poorly executed. 
All we cared about was that Sting walked out of there with that freaking belt that night because it was time for the NWO to go. It was time for them to start getting their comeuppance. And the problem is the follow-through was abysmal. Yeah. And so they shit the bed after this moment. And and realistically, since it was a convoluted finish and they gave Hogan tried to give Hogan an out but then didn't really give him an out and they just made everyone look bad, like the company looked bad. <laughs> gave the company an out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a great moment. It didn't make my final list because, uh, you know, I, I don't have the perspective of someone who was a fan in the moment necessarily because I really wasn't paying that much attention to WCW these years. And, and so I didn't get it, you know, I didn't get the pure emotional uh, reaction to it. I got, I've, I've got some of that crap uh, on, on, you know, I've got I'm carrying some of that crap into that match when I watched it for the first time. So it's not on my final list, but it might make the the show's final list because I don't have a lot of great ones here because this is my personal list (laughs) and moving right on to my personal taste. Nobody is going to have this on their top 10 moments. I seriously considered making this my number one moment because it's literally my favorite thing ever. When I look back at WCW, if I if I'm not including matches, this is number one one this is absolutely number one i show this to everyone it's my favorite thing that's ever happened in wcw the nasty boys smashing cactus jack's head with a fucking snow shovel is the greatest thing that's ever happened in wcw ever it's number three on my list because i had to go with some kind of facts but it is my personal favorite moment and i will show it to everyone all the time it's amazing. The whole match is incredible, by the way. And if we do a match list, there's a very good chance this match is ending up on my top 10. But this is phenomenal. And I'm not talking about like he worked this thing. He took a snow shovel, held it over his head, and then swung it like a sledgehammer directly onto Cactus's head. Not He didn't pull it. He didn't hit the thing next to a Cactus. No, he smashed Cactus's head in with a snow shovel, and I'm here for it. Yeah, he <laughs> swung it with the strength and the confidence as if he was swinging a pillow. Like, like yeah. he'll be fine. <laughs> like, he'll be fine. <laughs> that is so inside baseball right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the pitch. That <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> is such a good reference. Because Shane and Henry listen to the podcast, so it's going to go over and they're going to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really missed your brother. You didn't that day, though. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I swung that pillow. <laughs> it erased him. <laughs> God, if only like he like went to sleep, it would have been perfect. Oh, like if that man. like if that knocked him out, like that he's like knocked out by pillow. Like you're already comfortable. Oh, oh, that is such a good reference. <laughs> Pivoting oh. back to WCW moments. Oh, so number two, number two. This was hard for me to not make it number one, but number one is so undeniable uh, that I just had to leave it as number one. But number two for me, this was like. This was so huge to me just because I lived as someone that uh, watched the Monday Night Wars and like went from channel to channel and found a way to record one show so I could watch the other one. It was, you know, it was, it was my sanctuary. Having when 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 WCW was formed 
uh, and like well not formed but like when it was like available mm. and the war was going on and people pick sides i was like i'm not picking sides i got more wrestling that's that's just another it's just more wrestling for me to watch but yes the smart one in the group yeah <laughs> so when when it, it came out that WCW was purchased by Vince McMahon and they had the final Monday Nitro and they had the big simulcast, that in itself, the whole show is a moment to me. But if we're going to boil it down to the moment, it's when they actually have the picture-in-picture picture on both. Ch- if you flip between both channels, you're seeing the opposite on, on either channel. So, so on one channel, you're seeing Vince's view, and on the other channel, you're seeing Shane's view. And Shane announcing that he owns WCW via picture-in-picture simulcast. It was such a huge moment that I, I was pivoting back and forth on the channel just for the funsies of it, even though it's the same moment. You didn't have yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just... It's just one of those cool things that I don't think TV will ever replicate. You know, it, you, no. you need... You need two companies to be this petty and feud with each other in order to make a moment like this. And you need to have one freaking evil billionaire boss guy to like buy one out and then orchestrate this to put it on television. It, it, you're never going to get this from any other version of, of entertainment. Uh, you know, you're not going to see sports guys do this. You're not going to see teams do this to each other. Only in the world of professional wrestling where, where, where we could have gotten the simulcast uh, on the two, uh, the two Monday shows. And... That's why it's way high on this list for me. Uh, yes, yeah, strong moment. The simulcast is absolutely a huge moment in wrestling history. It is a fitting end to the war between WWF and WCW. And you're right. It is such a cool moment to just be able to flip back and forth. That, that was definitely one of the nights I did actually flip back and forth because I wanted to watch the Flair and Sting match. I, I wanted to see... You know, if Booker T won the belt, like there there was a lot of stuff I wanted to see on WCW that night, in all honesty. And I probably watched more of WCW that night than the WWF broadcast. Um, and it but yeah, when you see Shane McMahon standing in that ring and you're like, OK, it's really, really, really real. Like we had all heard the rumors because this is in the earliest days of the Internet and being able to hear rumors and in, in news and and go on the internet and and you know crack the code and whatnot. Uh, but it's just it's such a cool moment for that to be on both shows at the same time. We got the Vince McMahon promo. Jeff Jarrett is F J A. I don't care. He's F I R E D fired. You know, <laughs> so a bunch of great stuff. Um, but that yeah, that's the pivotal moment. That's the ending. That's the big you know go home moment. Is that Shane swooped in because Vince is such a cocky asshole that he was able to purchase WCW. And now we know that their WCW will live on. There's going to be a story and we're going to all be here for it. And so it was a really exciting moment. The follow through sucked as with most things in WCW history, but uh, it wasn't WCW that fucked it up. It was Vince McMahon, ladies and gentlemen. So fucked it good. solid yeah solid number two i'm gonna put another check mark next to that i think we're gonna roll with a lot of ron's list here today ladies and gentlemen yeah because you've been this is like a legitimate list yeah because you've been giving <laughs> me a lot of solid number twos uh well this number two uh i'm going to die on the hill that this needs to be on the list because this is one of the greatest moments in sports and entertainment history of all time uh Come the on, moment yeti <laughs> The moment 
when Terry Funk was doing commentary for a, just the the final of the trilogy of Ric Flair Ricky Steamboat matches, and uh, after the match, Funk's doing an in ring promo with Flair, an interview and kind of thing. Is like, you know what, Flair? I think I'd like to come back, and uh, maybe you could give me a title match. And Ric Flair kind of blew him off in a real dickish manner and funk just said fuck you then and then he pile drives his ass onto the hardest table that's ever lived it didn't even buckle or move it didn't fall over he just bounced his head off of a gigantic ringside table and uh everyone was genuinely concerned for flair this is one i saw as a child and it like shocked me i couldn't believe what i was seeing and this was kind of really the first taste of anything that hardcore in you know in mainstream uh american wrestling like we didn't see shit like that because this even kind of predates ecw so like for flair in 1990 or for funk in what 92 93 maybe somewhere around there maybe it's 90 91 it's in the 90s but it's before ECW to be pile driving the world champion on a table like that. And then the follow up match is absolutely insane and incredible. Um, but the moment that Funk pile drives Flair is uh, my number two. And I don't think it's on everyone's list. Uh, I saw a lot of lists. And this led but, to uh, the uh, I quit match, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Then I think so. This should definitely yeah, this go is on. Incredible. The, this should definitely go on the final list. But yeah, it's uh, it's a one of those big moments like it. it the table is a slut now. So back. So when yeah. when this when this happened, then uh, you know this was a definite definite hospital angle. Now it's just a trip to the grocery store. Um, so this was a moment that I had to go and review because it was recently recommended to me on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, just because of Mr. Funk's untimely death, and uh, you know, we're lots of tributes out there, and this being one of the the big topics and speaking points. Uh, on the man's career was when he, you know, challenged Flair after he was retired, one of the retirements, and yeah, yeah. went from commentator to you know world championship material, and you know, and and uh, it's funny because you know even at the time, especially with someone who's a novice in wrestling like I was, if I was watching that, I would recognize it as like one of the just the commentator just losing his mind on on Ric right. Flair. I wouldn't know the history of Terry Funk just because I didn't live through it, so. I I'm kind of putting myself back in those shoes. Like, had I did, had I had I uh, discovered yeah. that then, what uh, how, how would I have re- how would I have reacted? Like, you know, you just see this crazy nut job all of a sudden yeah. injuring the wrestler. So, you know, who knows who else uh, felt that same way? So, awesome moment, pretty high up on the list. Uh, definitely gonna make the final list because you know it's funk, and I don't have any funker stuff on my uh, list because I only have one left, Cole. And I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going. Uh, I'm pretty certain that this is probably one of the biggest creative moves in wrestling just because, mm-hmm. you know, it was something that was unthinkable, something that the the opposition just was wholeheartedly against because it just, you know, for for whatever reason, it just shouldn't shouldn't have been. And the the subject believed it too and like uh, he had to be talked into this as well as the story as the story is told but hulk hogan actually turning heel and joining the nwo is like it's not just wcw's moment it's wrestling's moment it's one of the biggest things to ever happen uh it's you know it's 
it's the goodest guy that wrestling ever put together. I think uh, on on national television in the eighties, like that that was the superhero of superheroes, and it was almost like you know biblical proportions. On you know you cannot you cannot go against that. Like this is say your prayers, eat your vitamins, all that stuff, and for him to throw down the leg on Macho Man and you just see all these people just throwing trash at Hulk Hogan while he's belittling them and telling them to shut up, just using words that I never thought I'd hear the man say. Uh, you know, I was the perfect age for this because I was 10 and yes. he and I was crushed and I was mad. I could have thrown trash at my own television. And <laughs> yes. And like and it's funny because I had such mixed emotions because I was such a fan of the other two gentlemen on a, on either side of him when he when they were on the other channel. So I have all these emotions of being like freshly pissed that Diesel and Razor Ramon are gone and now I'm even more pissed that Hulk Hogan is mean and and, he, and he's saying mean things to me and <laughs> and uh but you know channeling those feelings is bring me back to why wrestling is great when it's great and this is probably one of the greatest moments as far as angles and heat is concerned and it's never going to be replicated again i don't think yeah i think if you asked a thousand random wrestling fans of the 90s what the biggest moment in WCW history is they're going to say this. And that's why it's obviously my number one as well. It's the third man. Like it's this angle, this storyline, this, there's nothing else that you could even think of in WCW that comes close to being as big as this. This might be the biggest moment in wrestling history, let alone WCW. This might trump anything that WWF's ever done as far as, you know, one singular swerve, like big angle. Like I, this may very well be the greatest angle of all time when they swerved us and Hogan and Savage went out for the match against the Outsiders. And it turns out that Hulk Hogan is the third man. He is the guy pulling the strings. He's the one who recruited the Outsiders, brought him here to tear down WCW. And when he turns heel on the world and find like everyone was tired of Hulkamania, like Hulkamania was definitely running mild at that moment. And still, I think everyone wasn't ready. No. Like no one was ready for a heel turn from Hulk Hogan. And in that one instance, he became overnight the biggest star in the wrestling business again. And everyone needed to see what he was going to do. And they became appointment television overnight. Like it's insane. It's just, it was just like 85 all over again when Hogan, you know, beat the Sheik and then went on the world tour and all of a sudden he's on MTV and he's <clears throat> headlining WrestleMania and they're doing all this stuff. He did it again. Who the hell gets over that big twice in their career? Like, it's such a great moment. It's so insane. It was just unthinkable. Nobody thought that Hogan could be the third man. They could, they might have, people might have thought it was Macho Man, like anyone, but Hogan was the last person anyone ever thought would ever turn his back on the children and the Hulkamaniacs. And so it's such a great moment. It, like, I, it, 
it very well could be the greatest heel turn of all time. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and again, a moment like this will never be replicated because, you know, I don't think anyone has put that much stock and investment in anybody to get a reaction like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if Cena ends up doing it, do you think it'd be as big? It would, he would, and plus like the, the curtain has been peeled back so much that we would just, yes. we would just love it now. And, 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 right. and, and he would have to do something diabolical to get like real heat. He would have to blow up a children's hospital. Uh, oh no. Cena could screw Cody out of the belt at WrestleMania. Oh. <laughs> that would get him that level of heat. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. But, yeah, it'd be hard. Like at this point you it would have you would have to or like he would have had to be the one that cost Z- Sami Zayn the match against Roman. Like it'd have to be something on that level to get like real heat where it's a guy like everyone's sick of Roman and wants him to go away. But John Cena just joins the bloodline. Like oh, that would buddy. be the, the only way to get like some real, real heat where it's significant, but, and it would maybe piss people off that much. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Cause oh, if God. you, if you recall, I put the golden shovel in John Cena's hands and I, yes, and, yes, I you did. and I threatened to, uh, to smash Connor the crusher then. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> you have to really work hard to get Cena over as a heel. That is true. Uh, he takes out a cancer kid. Yes. <laughs> I'm not doing any more make a wishes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, sir, me. What? <laughs> oh, wow. There we go. A top 10 list. Oh, yeah, we got to solidify the list. Okay. So. Yeah, and I'm good. We don't need any debate tonight. I'm giving you most of this list. Oh. Uh, we agreed on a couple, but there's two that I'm forcing in here, and you're just going to accept it. <laughs> oh, name me your sex tape. <laughs> well, I'm ready. Number 10. The Nasty Boys destroy Cactus Jack's face with a snow shovel. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Medusa trashes the belt. Eight. Arn Anderson's My Spot promo. Seven. The first showdown of Flair and Hogan. Six. Terry Funk pile drives Flair on a table. Five. Ron Simmons wins the World Heavyweight Championship. Four. The WWF WCW simulcast where Shane McMahon announces he has bought WCW. Three. Sting beats Hogan. Two, Scott Hall's debut. And number one. Um, Number one, of course, is the third man angle with the NWO and Hulk Hogan turning heel and being the third man. Oh, it's a good list. I like WCW. The cool thing is I'm going to probably watch more WCW this month since we're talking about it so much. I'm sorry. Watch what? WCW. Yeah, I didn't really stick to it as much as I said I was going to last week. But... <laughs> we got four more episodes, bud. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. WCW month is uh, kicked into full gear, and, you know, it's been a friendly episode, but next week is going to be the start of something not so friendly because... It's draft time! Oh, yes. It's about that time, Cole, and we're going to do a WCW draft. That's right. All time periods are up for grabs. All wrestlers that don WCW contracts are up for grabs. The entire 80s, the entire early 90s, the cruiserweight division, the NWOs of all colors. It's going to be great. It's the celebrities who made who made the mix. The Mortal Kombat yes. character ripoffs. Oh, man, we could have a WCW sabotage draft if we wanted to. 
But we're going to do a legit one this time around just because we're going to be poo-pooing on WCW a little bit in the last two weeks. So let's 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 tributize this a little bit. Let's get let's let's put our money where our mouth is and try to get the best of the best and put on the card of all cards via WCW wrestlers. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm very excited. I already have my first four draft picks like in line. I this is going to be like my favorite WCW show of all time is what I'm going to do. It's, Nobody, no one else is going to like it, but I'm going to love it. And I'm going to throw it out there right now. The person's criteria is based on their career in the organization. So I'm going to tell you right now, Bret Hart is all yours. <laughs> uh, he will be in the uh, he'll be in the discard pile of uh, of guys that I run out of. That's fine. That's fine. I'll take Bret Hart in the late rounds. That's fine. <laughs> You ready for the draft, Ron? I'm going to destroy you. Oh, I cannot I've wait. Been There's these blood lately. in the water. You have lost a lot lately, and I think it's just because know. Uh, you know Dan- Danielson has been coming Mr. Miyagi lately, and, uh, <laughs> and I think you just need to step up your game. Is all you know. You just got to be a little more unfair. Make up some new rules mid mid game. <laughs> Uh, That's right. Right. We're gonna debut debut the uh the creative team's Uno reverse card. Oh yeah, draw four. <laughs> no yes, yes, the draw four, uh, but it's bad people. <laughs> and the yes, and the 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 uh the the trade uh where I get to draft someone and then trade him for anyone on your roster I want and then uh, <laughs> Yeah. I draft one of your guys. Reverse card. <laughs> yes. And no tradesy backsies. <laughs> oh. So you're stuck with the Yeti after I draft him and trade him for like stunning Steve. <laughs> I hate this. For Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you. We love you and good night. More. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.